Hey everyone, and welcome to the Game Deflators podcast, episode 18. I'm John. I'm joined by Ryan. Hey everybody, here at the Game Deflators podcast, we like to talk about games that we recently picked up, games that we're currently playing, and as always, our patented, ever-loved Inflation Deflation Challenge. This is where we take a look at a game on John's shelf, and we see what it's going for in the market right now, and we see, hey, does this game suck? Is it really worth paying that much for? I mean... It didn't even come with the guidebook. It, it, it doesn't even have the original box cover. Is it really worth that much money? In fact, the one we played today was loose. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not worth it. But I guess we'll find out, man. All right. As always, we start with our pickups for the week. I had some interesting little pickups. I'm looking at Ryan right now making this crazy face. He's trying to grow hair on his chest with tequila and it's not working right now. And uh, he's now sipping his water bottle. I just, I don't get it, dude. Thanks for the play-by-play, Play-by-play. All right. So, my pickups this week, man. I got Rygar on the NES, Caveman Games, and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, as well as an N64, the expansion pack, and three of the controllers. Original controllers, nice little thumbsticks, no issues. Uh, Got to test it out, obviously. All four of those items. Well, technically, all seven. And uh, we'll see if it's worth some trade fodder. So, yeah. Anything from your end? Did you pick up anything for a dollar? <coughs> Actually, a dollar six. I picked up The Way Remastered for Switch. It was on a killer closeout or sale on the Switch eShop. And, you know, that's kind of where I just go in once a week. And I'm like, hey, is there anything super cheap here that I can't not afford to pick up? And I have no idea what this game is. It's got some like retro pixel art, looks interesting, and you know, usually fifteen dollars on sale for a buck six. I was like, why not? So we'll see if I ever play it, if it's worth it or not. I don't know. That's generally your rule of thumb. It's a dollar. It can't be any worse. I mean, how can how can you afford not to pick it up for that price, really? I mean, if you added up all the the games that I picked up for super cheap that I've never even touched, I mean I might be able to afford something even better on sale by now. You know, at this point, you, uh, with your transactions of a dollar and I think you had a penny game like a couple weeks ago. No, there was a penny game, but I'm not picking it up because if it is a penny, I mean, it's probably not worth, you know, the bandwidth it's going to take to download. It's not worth a penny. I, I highly, if it's being sold for a penny, I doubt it's worth a penny. Mr. One Dollar Man. Yeah, exactly. At so, least, at least that has some cred. <laughs> Did the other one have any cred? The Penny Game? I don't know. I didn't pick it up. I, you should have done some research on it at least. Yeah. You could have downloaded on my Wi-Fi network. See, no excuses. Well, it used to be on there for a dollar, and then they lowered it to a penny. Yeah, that's that's probably like, pretty bad. I, I feel like a penny's worse than free. Like a free game, you can just get, but a penny, like they're still gonna charge you for that, and it's like, why? Just give it to me. I wonder how many games they sold. How many copies of that digitally? Oh, I mean, probably a dollar's worth at least. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. Uh, well, either way, I think by the time you're done with all these expenditures, uh, you're probably going to catch up to my collection as far as just $1 and, and one penny. Ga- five cent games. I'm sorry. Penny's just a little too low for you. <laughs> well, and the thing is, like, with all these uh, download games, you tend to get... You know, a little bit of Nintendo gold that you can 
put towards future purchase stuff. So, I mean, at least you rack up like a little bit of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the penny game. Uh, well, outside of you picking up games for a, a dollar and being cheaper than I am, which is scary, mind you, uh, I'm currently playing Final Fantasy 15. as always. I think I'm in like 42 hours in. I just cannot stop playing side quests. I've, I don't know how many monster hunts I've done so far, but it's just unbelievable how many monster hunts there are and how many side quests there are. I think there's like 200 plus side quests in a game. I've lost count how many I've done, but every single one of them has been great. I'm loving the fishing as always. I'm loving the hunting. I'm building up weapons. I'm finding items, exploring the area. And now it turns out I can go back in time through memories, which is like the craziest thing. So... I'm super stoked about it. I think I'm on chapter nine and there's like coincidentally 15 chapters in final fantasy 15. So as of right now, truly enjoying it and going to keep playing it. Unlike some people and not finishing games, Ryan. Yeah. So he's referring to the fact that I still have not gotten back to red dead yet. And Pokemon. That's, that's dead in the water. I mean, I, I was trying to convince John earlier that I have not given up on Red Dead because I, I technically I can't, you know, start my uh, New Games resolution until I finish that. So once I uh, get back into Red Dead, I get started on Zone of the Enders 1. But yeah, Pokemon, I'm, I'm probably not. I actually told somebody this week I would lend them my copy if they wanted to borrow it because I'm just... So not going to play that game again. I mean, not in the near future anyways. Yeah, I kind of stopped playing it too. I at least got to the... Mount Moon? Uh, no, further to Mount Moon. I got to Seafoam Islands is as far as I got. And, you know, to your point too, we both discussed how after a while it was just like, I've played this game and I've played this style. And me having played Pokemon Go for so long... The mechanic of just like the trying to get it in the hoop and everything or, or the circle just after a while is like, all right, I'm just done. I, I'm finished for now. I mean, I'll go back to it. I'm I'm not one to leave a game completely unfinished. I've picked up and I can tell you like Final Fantasy 7, for example, the first time I played, I think I beat it like three times in my life. The first time I played that game, I got to just before you go in a cave where you fight Sephiroth and, and beat everything down six years later i came back to that game i was like huh i'm gonna go ahead and get the gold chocobo and knights it around so i just randomly went through the entire process and probably put an additional 15 hours of just doing anything i could in the game just exploring and then when it finally came down to the opening battle i didn't realize how much of a game at that point i had left to play to just like conclude the the title and after i beat sephiroth and went through i'm like huh i had about 30 minutes of gameplay left so I went through, I'm at the end of the game and I was already like my material and everything was already like crazy, but I get through at the end of the game and yeah, like six years later, I'm like, all right, I'll go ahead and beat this now. So it is not abnormal for me to see a game like Pokemon and come back to it a few years down the road and be like, all right, cool. Here's where I left off. Let me continue it. Yeah. Uh, my end on Final Fantasy seven, I heard that the third disc was basically just getting a gold Chocobo Knights around and beating Sephiroth. And I was like, uh, I'm done. And I just never even put the third disc in. So I, uh, I've i never been through it. I've played the first disc through probably like twice. And I've played like all the way through uh, the first city. 
probably like three or four times. You know, it's like I'm I'm one of those people I'll like if I don't beat a game, I'm probably never going to beat the game. That's why it's like it's important for me to like keep holding out because I always want to go back and be like, okay, I'll just start from the beginning because, you know, later in life, it's like you don't have you know, the memory card, like I've beaten Tales of Symphonia on GameCube. If I ever want to play that game again, I'm going to have to play it on like, I think I have the PS3 version. So it's like, I don't have that save data anymore, you know? So it's like, if I wanted to go through the new game plus, I can't do that until I beat the game again. Or, you know, any other game like that, like you just lose so much with the transition between consoles that it's hard to go back and redo stuff. That's kind of like um, something interesting I discovered earlier this year. I got Final Fantasy IX for PS4. And it was weird because I I really liked Final Fantasy IX. I liked the setting of it and everything. Being more like medieval, Victorian, kind of less of the steampunky, futuristic aspects that they've been bringing in. And I would really like to see them return to that. But uh, I think that I got almost through the second disc. I don't remember exactly. But in the PS4 version that you can get, it has some interesting options that they put in there. There is a deal max damage option. There's like, I think an unlimited health option oh i remember you tell me yeah. that so you can just kind of like blaze yeah, through you the can game just kind of blow through it for the story and i think that that's kind of interesting i've heard arguments in the past for having systems in games where it's like if you want to play the game for the story maybe you should be able to skip the gameplay content kind of like if you're only into a game for the gameplay you can skip the cutscenes and balance out games in a way where it's like you know not everybody wants to go through like another firefight in mass effect and i think that's the context in which i heard the argument made originally you know that brings up an interesting point and we'll tie it in in a moment to our uh, one of our articles that we got here on single player games um but back to kind of what you're playing so you're obviously kind of holding off on red dead for a while you're holding off on pokemon essentially indefinitely for the time being and then I know we played some Smash after the podcast last week and had some fun. You kicked my ass, even with a GameCube controller hooked up, which was crazy. Um, I'll, I'll blame the alcohol. You're still playing Smash, I assume? Yeah, yeah. I'm still playing Smash, and I'm starting to unlock a bunch more characters. I think I've got like close to over 30 now. So I'm well on my way, and it is proving to be quite fun like i'm having a real good time just like i i haven't gone back to world of light since i first started playing because the you don't really unlock characters that way although you do rack up game time in order to unlock characters so maybe i'll go back to it but basically what i've been doing is just like i'll just go in and do two and a half minute three stock matches and just do those back to back and try to get like I started off with the CPU at level three and now I'm consistently doing well like three owing sevens. So I mean whatever that's a measure of. I mean, it's not really a measure of me being good, but I think it's a measure of me being better than when I started. And then it's like, okay, I'll try this character and then I'll play them until I unlock a new character, and then I'll try that character out a bit and then 
if I don't like them, I'll go back to somebody else or try somebody different. Like I tried Captain Falcon for a while, who I've never really been fond of. I tried. Um, wait, wait, wait. You don't like the Knee of Justice? I've always wanted to play Ganon, <clears throat> but I just couldn't really get a lockdown on him in the past games. And he was too slow. Somebody told me he was really good in this one. He's good in all of them, dude. Like all of the ones that he's a part of. Ganon's been fantastic, at least for me. I'm not a, a Ganon player. I mean, as you know, in Melee, I do Fox and uh, Jigglypuff. And then for uh, Brawl, Jigglypuff, and really just not playing Brawl at all. And on the Wii U version, I play Pac-Man and Jigglypuff. So, I mean, I the consistent one on there is Jigglypuff, obviously. And we played Jigglypuff the other day. And obviously, I hit you for rest a few times. Uh, kind of getting used to those controls. But as far as Ganon's concerned, like I'll play him every now and then. And he's actually a lot of fun to play once you kind of get used to him. And, and his overall, just the, the way his character works. Yeah, he's a little slow, but the guy's strong. Yeah, yeah. So I'll try him out once I get him. Um, I was playing Lucina, and she was pretty fun. She's like a Marth Echo Fighter. Because I used to play Marth a lot. Oh, there's like five Marth Echo Fighters in the games now. It's it's ridiculous. Well, I mean, not really. Like, I've always really liked Ike. I think Ike is a pretty strong, fun character to play. Um, I don't know. I got Falco. I'm not so into Falco this time. And I'm really not so into Falco's uh, his costume alternatives, like the color schemes. I'm not a big fan of. You don't like the... Oh, you're talking Falco. I was thinking of Captain Falcon for a second. I was going to say... The all-gold Captain Falcon? No, 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 sir. The pink and white Captain Falcon. Oh, I like that. That gold. I'm just going to set my drink aside here. I keep fiddling with the uh, little stone that we have in these things to keep it cold. Yeah. Yeah, I don't... It, it might come through on the podcast, just a clinging <laughs> coming through. Um, yeah, well, but dude, I'm, having, yeah. I'm having a good time, and I like how you can fail to beat a character and then you can just jump in on the other game mode and you can just go to this like place where it racks up all the challengers that you failed to defeat in the like deathmatch one stock to unlock them mm -hmm. so you can go back in and get those characters rob took me a few times to try to beat i don't know what the stage is i think it's like a bomberman stage to, that you have to fight him on to beat him but it's like i keep getting like i try to chase him up to the top level and then he just up tilts me and just blasts me off the screen like every time and it was so annoying that reminds me of annoying characters another one that i absolutely love to play at least in the wii u version is uh duck hunt for whatever reason man just sitting in the corner and just poaching people with that can is absolutely hilarious with duck hunt yeah and throwing frisbees or no not the frisbee it's it's the um whatever they i don't know what it's called man the, the skeet disc yeah yeah that thing it's hilarious man clay pigeon yeah yeah pretty much uh so this is a bridge into our news topic you're talking about the switch and smash bros let's bring up a really really stupid rumor that came up not too long ago and i mean we're gonna say stupid now but if this actually occurs we're gonna be eating our words down the road so the article we found it on n4d and it says that uh nintendo will release handheld only switch model in 2019 ps4 xbox one to receive price cuts pactor i believe that's how you call it and it's industry and analyst 
Michael Pactor believes consoles will get their prices slashed this year to continue to drive sales. Well, Michael Pactor, dude, I can tell you, is uh, pretty much doing a, no shit. Dude, of course consoles are going to get slashed in 2019. They're looking to release the next one. I mean, they're probably going to be announcing the next-gen consoles in 2019. So the fact that he's even saying, oh, it's a rumor, I mean, it's a, I would say it's a definite we haven't seen a price cut for these consoles. Well, I in- think it's not technically a rumor. Like, if you're an industry analyst, like, I mean, I don't know necessarily if you doing your job is starting a rumor or if it's just a prediction or if there's a real difference well, between rumors and predictions. Even a prediction. I mean, really, is it even that thought out of a prediction to say consoles are going to get cut in price? I mean, it is really an inevitability, but I think at this point it's referring to, like, the xbox one scorpio and like the i don't know if the ps4 pro has already had price cuts since its release no i don't believe it has i think so, it's been sitting I mean, at 400 you know the original consoles have obviously gone down in price since they've come out with this like gen 2 of this gen which is kind of one of those things that i hope you know if i was going to go back and add to the what we don't want to see again in 2019 and expand that to what we don't want to see again like maybe don't come up with another mid-gen bump because or do come up with another mid-gen bump but i'm gonna wait for that like i'm not gonna do a day one ps5 although i think the ps5 will probably be pretty awesome and i'm almost assuming that it's going to have psvr have we talked about this or have i talked about this with other people we talked about psvr ah, psvr psvr uh together like off off the podcast we've discussed it but nothing yeah like i like if i was in industry analyst and i had a prediction to make i'd be like yeah ps5 is probably going to come out with like integrated vr as a feature like we all know that Sony's working on their second gen PSVR. They're going to update their controllers so that you don't have those blue and pink light ball things anymore that suck. And they're going to make the screen definition better. They're actively working on reducing motion sickness so that it can appeal to a wider audience. They've got a already backlog of over 300 PSVR titles that you can have access to. I mean, they just did a three part series on uh vr game on uh game theory that was really interesting and it's like the vr is spreading in ways now that it's like becoming more and more mainstream like to not have that integrated fully into like some hyper expensive release version and especially with the way other technologies are going like uh the iphone 10 was like a thousand dollar phone like I would not be surprised if we got close to a thousand dollar console with like integrated built in VR as a part of the packaging on it because it's like, hey, if you're already paying six hundred dollars launch day and we can bundle in, you know, three hundred buck headset and then a hundred buck more for the controllers, like I wouldn't be surprised if they try to sell a thousand dollar version. And a six hundred dollar version, just plus or minus the VR, save yourself fifty bucks if you get it bundled instead. So here's my thought on that, dude: is you could probably get a nice, nice PC rig that'll last you a lot longer for that price point, 
and also have the compatibility of playing games on Steam and a variety of other titles. Yeah, but then you have to buy whatever the heck uh, HTC Vive or an Oculus sells for right now. Yeah. And but- the, the other thing is... Uh, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast before, but Oculus is releasing that Oculus Quest, I think it's called, or Oculus Journey, something like that. But it's going to be its own all-in-one, the first all-in-one fully wireless VR system, and they are approaching third-party developers and being like, hey, make games for us. Like We are going to be a platform. We want first-party titles. We want third-party full support integration like they're doing the thing that Nintendo's just starting to do from you know jump now and getting away from having to do that because it's like I have an old you know desktop PC tower that was you know pretty good built for I built it for 900 bucks back in 2009 and I've upgraded a couple parts in it but since I moved a year and a half ago I haven't done anything like I haven't even plugged it in to do anything on it because it's like so outdated. And if I wanted to do VR, I don't want to have to spend, you know, $500 updating that tower and then another $600, $500, whatever it costs for the VR set. Like I don't want to throw a thousand dollars just to do the VR well, I mean, you already use your laptop for your VR porn, so I mean that that works out, right? Like I said, I have no VR. Uh huh. Okay, so you just use it for regular porn, <laughs> like every red-blooded American. Every red-blooded American, yeah, uh, dude. I, I would just have to say, like, if they had a console that was released at a thousand bucks, not only would I, I mean, they're not going to have it fully integrated. They're probably still going to a la carte mode, like they've done with everything up to this point, because that that really is a smarter move. But having a discounted rate saying, hey, it's 100 bucks less to get everything, that's obviously going to be a little more appealing for people. Um, as far as kind of going back nose price cuts and Michael Pactor's uh, stupid um, prediction, yeah, which sorry, really we got isn't way a way off on a tangent. Yeah, there. so, uh, so well, that I mean, it's was, fine. Yeah, that was nothing that but, he was saying in there. That was all me. He's talking mostly the thing that we have a problem with in here is his switch prediction. Well, yeah, but let's go back to that that stupid price cut prediction. So anybody listening out of our 22 subscribers and hopefully like 15 people actually watch a video and podcast, um, basically one thing to do is when you see Black Friday price cuts, something like the PlayStation 4 hitting 200 bucks for the regular and then 300 for a pro and 200 for VR bundled in, you can always assume that that's going to be the new price point it's time and time again that's what happens worst case scenario you get half of that price cut but basically what they're doing is seeing they're trying to get you to buy as many as you can during that holiday rush they sell as many products as they can and then they cut the price at a later point in time that's just how it always works it's always been that way so the fact that this guy's coming through and saying that's a prediction dude it happens every year. It's more of, like you said, it's inevitable. It's, it's going an to, industry standard. Yeah, it, that's pretty much. It's not an industry standard per se, but it's it. that's what they do. So the next thing is uh, this guy sitting here saying that he's predicting that in 2019, they're going to have a handheld version only of the uh, Nintendo Switch. And seriously, like, why would Nintendo do a handheld version only of Switch? It doubles as a handheld system already. And and then it wouldn't be called the Switch. It would be called the Nintendo 
4DS. Yeah. Or and, 3DS 2. Well, if, if they made a Nintendo 4DS and we were playing in the fourth dimension, that would be pretty <laughs> crazy. That would be worth... It would be worth the upgrade. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, like, the idea behind the Switch is that Nintendo no longer has to produce a handheld console and a, you know, TV living room console. Like, it, the whole idea is that they only have to make one console moving forward. Like, they could just make a Switch 2 and a Switch 3 and rule both markets, especially now that not that Sony was, like, a huge competitor, at least not stateside. I have heard that the Vita is way more popular in Japan than it ever has been here. Yeah. It's, but it's like, yeah, there's no there's no reason to just go handheld mode only. It's antithetical to the idea of the whole thing. So pretty much anybody listening that knows Michael Pactor or reads his articles, feel free to throw him over to this episode at the 18th minute so he can listen to how stupid his predictions are for 2019. It's just... It's absurd. I mean, now obviously if they release something, we'll we'll eat our words when that time comes, but to say there's going to be a handheld version of the Switch, that's just dumb, dude. That's- well, and the thing is, why would they release a whole another handheld version? My Switch is already a handheld version. Like I just maybe if they wanted to do that, just say, "Hey, we're going to sell the dock separate." Just make a version that comes without the dock and comes with the power cable. Like, don't make the mistake that they made. So they're cutting the D. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think they didn't they release like a version of one of the 3DS XLs or something that didn't come with a power cable. Yeah. Because they were like, well, if you're was it the 2DS or yeah, it was a 3DS XL, I think. And they're like, well, if you already own the 3DS and you're just upgrading to the XL, you don't need a power cable. Really? I don't recall. I think they did drop the price slightly, though. So that way, if you wanted to buy the power cable, you could, which is kind of smart in that respect. Because, yeah, if I'm upgrading and I've already got the power cable, I don't want to spend 15 bucks more to get another one. Well, yeah, but it's one of those things like if you do that and you're going to, you know, hand me down your old one to your little brother, you might as well both be able to charge it. It's like I don't care how many cell phones, you know. I break or, you know, replace or whatever. It's always nice to have like another USB wall adapter lying around. Yeah, I just dude. the thing is with the switch, if you were to just release the actual like handheld component of it by itself, that's just dumb. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to get to a point where like, you know what? I just want to buy a dock because I want to just sit this thing down. And sometimes you want to play on your TV. That's the whole nice aspect and that the innovative component of it is that it's not just a handheld and it's not just a console that sits in your home so i it's just a stupid prediction in fact we should just probably move on to our to our next title for the next um i guess this guy at least was kind of smart um he's pretty much talking on a subject that uh others are a little kind of off about but uh we recently just read an article uh i don't remember exactly who it was i think it's um a UK-based uh, author. Uh, but basically, the article was talking about how there's a lot of folks out there saying that single-player gaming is dead. Like, it's a thing of the past. You're seeing things like Fortnite, Call of Duty, Halo games, Gears of War, all of this stuff over the years um, that's obviously gained in popularity and the microtransactions and, you know, phone-based games and, uh, I guess, social media-based games and all these different things that are out there, but single-player games are dying. And I, for one, having 
just beat uh, Senua's Sacrifice, you loving God of War, uh, me playing Uncharted outside of a multiplayer component of it, uh, just tons of games out there. I, I would honestly say a majority of my games that I own are single-player-based games. I haven't played a multiplayer game online outside of Dark Souls in the last eight years, probably. Yeah, Dark Souls is, I mean, you know, and it's kind of one of those games where it's like, it almost is a single-player. Like, if you didn't have Wi-Fi, it'd be a single-player game. Well, even, dude, like, when you're online, it still comes out as, like, a co-op in a sense because... You know, even if you say go against, you know, um, uh, pretty much anybody that's, uh, I forget the term, when they're red and they're against you, they're the invaders. When you go against an invader in Dark Souls, right, it's still technically, you know, a versus mode type of situation. Sometimes you might have multiple invaders, but at the end of the day, you're not going to have any more than like six, I think, in Dark Souls 3 at least, and you have to use special items to even get that many players in the game at one point in time. So I see that as more of an online co-op game versus an online multiplayer game. Well, you looked at the article, and I've heard this argument before. Uh, I think I heard Jim Sterling talking about it, but it's, it's one of those things where it's not just about the... You know, whether the main game is single player, like you said, I really enjoyed this year's God of War. I just watched the completionist review of uh, God of War Ascension that came out a while ago. It was the last release, God of War, before the current one. And it's a single player game, but it has one of those feels like tacked on multiplayer modes, online modes, kind of like, uh, didn't we read something or you were talking something about multiplayer in um oh last of us 2 last of us 2 yeah, or I don't know all of the uncharted games that have you know i i've never played any of them so i won't speak from like actual knowledge but from what i understand they have multiplayer and not that many people play it and it's probably not that good like well, it's definitely not competing with like the true blue multiplayer like battlefields call of duty fortnites and you know, all of those new lifestyle games. I think the idea of single player being dead is that it's rare that, you know, a lot of games come out nowadays that don't have some online or don't have any multiplayer component. Like, I mean, Mario Odyssey, that had no online multiplayer. Like, well, you couldn't do, like, flicking star bits around or anything? No, like but it did, have, it did have, like, the, the capability to match scores in certain mini-games and stuff to players around the world, which yeah, is pretty I cool. Yeah, I wouldn't but count scoreboards in there. No, not at all, dude. And I get what you're saying. There's, I mean, even you can look back at up to, I think, Metal Gear Solid 4 on the PS3. That had a multiplayer component to it. I never... I mean, I played it maybe once or twice, but it just... When you have a game like Uncharted and Last of Us and uh, Metal Gear Solid, the last thing you're really considering on that point is like, yeah, let me play this single-player game that's supposed to be like espionage-style gaming and do it in multiplayer. I, I just don't know, man. It just doesn't feel well, I multiplayer-esque know. to me. I know. I, I knew a guy that was really good at playing... Uh, what were those Sam Fisher games with the, the three green goggles and you were like a assassin or oh a spy. Um, 
uh not not siphon filter right no um, that's what i was thinking of that's why i oh. said his name oh well yeah siphon filter and then you've also got the tom clancy games yeah tom clancy stuff yeah so anyways like we probably sound like idiots right now but that's okay well it's it's late and we both have tequila in our systems and yeah that's where yeah, we're at right excuses. now excuses excuses <laughs> don't let the people know right don't worry don julio knows the answer yeah he's just yeah. hiding it from us right now yeah i think but, so. yeah it's like he was killer online at that game and uh you know that was one of those type of stealthy kind of games too but he rocked it it was it's just one of those things where it's like i feel like that's like something that the industry wants you to think because they want you to get away from that type of stuff because they want you to adopt these online service models they want you to participate in all these modes where they can keep you paying rather than just here's your fully complete game for the $60. I mean, whether you like it or not, if you're never going to engage with these systems, you're paying for things that you're not going to engage with, which means that you're never getting your full money's worth in a game. If you're not an online multiplayer kind of person, maybe you should be buying more double a $40 games like Senua's Sacrifice. Exactly. And that was 30, mind you, with a Best Buy discount. So that actually kind of brings up a point, though, is if you are releasing a game and Last of Us, for example, right? It's going to be a fantastic game, I'm sure. I love the first one. And there's no way in hell I'm going to sit there and play a multiplayer on it. For one thing, I don't play multiplayer games for the most part anymore unless it's something like a dark souls if there's a co-op mode maybe in last of us and yeah i might be interested in doing something like that but from that rumor article that we saw i don't even know if it was a rumor um i didn't really fully read into it but they're saying oh last of us 2 who cares if it has microtransactions well i mean yeah who cares if it has microtransactions i guess but for those of us that aren't going to play it to your point why should i pay that much money for online capabilities and all the development work that went back into that when you're only going to give me what like 14 hours of gameplay yeah it's gonna be a fantastic game it's gonna take a lot of work to develop but why not offer me as an individual player who does not care about multiplayer the option to purchase that game at 40 bucks and hey with 20 bucks extra you can go ahead and play online we're going to give you a couple different skins for free and at that point, they're going to just microtransaction the hell out of it. Maybe not necessarily for upgrades that they can purchase and, you know, do crazy, you know, abilities and whatnot. But the ability to be able to purchase more skins and different types of guns and that, you know, very much cosmetic items. Um, yeah, go ahead and do that as a company. But at least I kind of like the idea of more flexibility in a sense. And I wish the industry would go to that versus what they're doing right now it's like splinter cell that's the name of the games it's splinter cell yeah that's a tom clancy series yeah yeah see i was right yeah i i had to look it up it was killing me sorry okay all right ryan yeah but i mean yeah so i'm after everything you said i'm i've decided in my own mind between thinking about what you were talking about and trying to look up splinter cell i'm going to keep saying it so that i remember it forever Splinter Cell. Yeah, Splinter Cell. So Splinter Cell. I am going to play the way that I picked up for a dollar six. Now don't don't confuse this with Deway and finding the queen. No. 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 Don't don't confuse so, it with that. Uh, this is I'm totally gonna different. I'm going to play that and I'm going to see if it has any hidden 
multiplayer elements or if it is indeed a fully single player game and i'm going to see if i get all my dollar and six cents worth out of that full experience because every time i've bought these cheap you know easy going games that are not stressed about trying to be like triple a franchise you know trying to set up a whole new market for okay it's got to be always on live you got to have you know a whole group like me and my friends aren't even playing as much red dead online as we thought and i was talking to them about it over the holidays and i was like you know i really thought that we would all be on red dead online all the time but it's not like they're always on and i'm not there it's just that not all of us are playing the way that we thought we would be and it's not to say that Red Dead Online isn't great because from what I played, I was having fun, but it's like I was having fun with my friends doing stuff that I could have just done in the single player. And for the most part, it's didn't really feel that much different or more advantageous to be online doing those things. Yes. I mean, it really comes down to, is it worth paying the extra money to have online capabilities or would you have preferred to just purchase Red Dead and play the story and be done with it. And that kind of goes back to our discussion on Final Fantasy and having those crazy, you know, 9,000 damage abilities and unlimited life right off the bat and that you just truly want to enjoy the story. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's hopefully the industry goes in that direction and it kind of follows that model and in a sense, an a la carte model where, yeah, you can play the full story. Oh, you want to pay extra to play online? Go ahead. Here's the online component. It's 20 bucks more, 30 bucks more, whatever, even $10 more at that point. Yeah, and I mean, Red Dead kind of, I mean, they didn't do exactly that, but they released their game a month ahead of time before they even turned online on. So it's like you could just have like that available and start selling $50 games and then sell, you know, 90% of the people are going to buy the online if it's only 10 bucks. You know, and then like later on when you release a game of the year, you bundle it in and then you get a fresh surge of people online again. Yeah, like me, because I'm too cheap to buy when it first comes out. Hence, you know, Horizon Zero Dawn, Game of Year Edition, which now, uh, folks, I think is uh, like 13 bucks, I want to say. Wow. I think it's on sale. So um, definitely a good deal if you haven't played that game. Uh, well, I've got nothing else to talk about on this subject, dude. I think it's time as far as is it worth it or not worth it? It's time for our inflation deflation. All right. So this week on inflation deflation, we have Futurama for PS2. So Futurama for PS2, uh, developed by Unique Development Studios, uh, published in NA by Vivendi, Universal Games, and in PAL by... CSI or Psy Games, I guess. Um, Matt Groening was a designer on it, which is always great to see somebody who's a part of the development of the original series to be involved with these things. I mean, that's the that's the first thing that I noticed when we started playing was like beyond the great, you know, voice talent coming back for the game and the visuals looking like a really good 3d representation of the 2d art i mean the humor was there 
it seemed like it was just more Futurama. They even, uh, in the wiki, it says here that they released a cutscene compilation of everything from the game as a lost episode in the DVD bundle with the Beast with a Billion Backs. Yeah, when we started playing that game immediately, it just, I was so engaged right at first when we started uh, just listening to the game itself. That was so cool to have like that Futurama episode kind of going on while we were playing. Um, I can tell you, dude, the graphics for this game totally reminded me. I mean, we can look to see like um, if it's the same developer, but it reminded me of the Simpsons Hit and Run and the, um, uh, what was the other one that they did? Uh, God, I don't know, man. I've got it on my shelf somewhere. Yeah, that that other Simpsons game. Um, it's right. It's like the Road Rage. One, like, road Rage. Yeah, like yeah. Crazy Taxi kind of. Yeah. I don't know why I thought I hadn't run because I played a lot of Road Rage when it first came out. Um, yeah, so like the graphics are pretty much the exact same style. It's kind of like that cell shaded in a sense. Yeah. Uh, style. And the, the lips were actually like right on point. I don't know if you noticed that, but like the actual voices match the lips in the animation like perfectly. Um, so for me... Uh, at least in the short time we played, we should have popped in a memory card so we could have checkpointed at that place where we like lost all of our lives, which is crazy. Um, I enjoyed the graphics of this. I thought the voice acting was like right on par. The actual uh, soundtrack score was oh, great. Yeah, the sound effects totally. were right out of it. Totally, man. And uh, uh, what is it, Fry? When you get when he gets hit with like some hot steam, he's like, "Owie, owie, owie, owie." So everything was just perfect. In that sense, Bender sitting like taking a crap in the middle of the uh, yeah. of the hangar, like that was awesome. So I actually really liked that component of it and thought that that was like spot on. Uh, and then it all went downhill when we finished the introduction portion of the game and started going into like the Nintendo hard section where you're like trying to beat these blobs. And once you run out of laser gun ammo, which who runs out of laser gun ammo? Uh, you're trying to beat things with a hammer. Like really? At that point, it was like, why are we just using a hammer? We must have missed something. Well, I mean, even before that, it was a little off with, like, the the tutorial. You have to run around trying to collect a bunch of things for the professor. And it does turn into a funny joke where he's like, oh, thanks for collecting all of my tools, even those ones that we don't need. And it's like, wait, what? But it's like, you're running around, and it's like, you'll find, like, three tools here. And then you come back and be like, wow, there's still a bunch more. And you'll go get some more and you'll be like, wow, there's still a bunch more. And it's like, maybe this has gone on a little bit too long. And yeah, it, it wasn't it wasn't bad per se, but it was just one of those things where it was like, okay, I get the controls. You haven't really taught me like anything useful and then you get thrown into that part where it starts to get nintendo hard yeah which is crazy because i mean we get in there with a laser gun oh and and dude that line that the professor says where he's like oh yeah i sold everything to get a gun like every good american it's like it's fantastic yeah but yeah. you know use that laser gun and i would have anticipated using the laser gun that we would have picked up some ammo at some point in time like we tried hitting all the boxes and stuff and like i hit this one big enemy like six or seven times and it didn't seem like anything was happening to him but he could like three shake kill me yeah it was just crazy and then like once once you have the hammer they have these like tentacles that are sitting out of these pipes and you can't even hit the flipping tentacles with your hammer so I'm like well at least we didn't we weren't able to achieve that but you're you're sitting there you got a big blob chasing you from behind 
You've got an enemy in this like acid pit shooting like little balls at you. And then you've got this tentacle monster right in front of you that you can't hit with a hammer. And when you go ahead and step in front of it, it one shots you. So it's like, what the hell's up with this? So I would actually say that game was Nintendo hard at that point. If we probably dedicated some more time, like after that checkpoint, I'm sure if we would have saved, we probably would have got more ammo with our gun and just well, could have continued. We never respawned with the ammo. Like once John used all the ammo the first time, when we respawned, we didn't have the ammo again. So it was just like it at some point it checkpointed us down there, but not at the original entry point where we had all of our ammo. So it was like, okay, I don't know. Exactly. Like by the time I got hands on, I was running around with a hammer dying because I had no clue what to do. Yeah, which kind of killed the game, I think, in a sense. Like just once we got to that hammer part, I was like, "Yep, I'm kind of done playing this." It, it's not a matter of the game is terrible because it controls fairly well and it does have some humor and the graphics are good. It's the just, camera was a little wonky for me. Like you do have full control of the camera, but it's one of those games where it's like. If you're in a space and you're trying to rotate the camera, it just it feels like the camera's never quite where you want it to be because it seems like it almost redirects a little bit when you move. Yeah, I kind of got that sense too. But then again, when we were talking, like I play with inverted controls all the time and you don't. So it was a little different for you per se. Um I thought it was okay, but I did get that every now and then where that camera just slightly moved and you're like, all right, something's up here. Uh, but yeah, dude, overall, um, I enjoyed it. It just wasn't where I would anticipate it to be for this game and as much as it costs too. Well, and we, we, you all know by now, or if you're new to the podcast, thank you. But we only play for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour and i mean some of these games we get pretty far in like we got at least halfway through or more through monster in my pocket we got quite a decent way into porky oh even wampum i mean we got pretty far yeah, in wampum we almost well. got all the way through wampum like we'll give these games like a good long shot if we're making progress and we feel like it's worth our time but it's like if we've been doing it for 30 minutes and there's some things that we really like about it and then it's like okay well what do we do now? Like, are we going to restart and do all that over again? Because we didn't put in a memory card. Like we're not going to come back to this later. So we're being punished. And is that worth our time? So it's like, we only give these so much of a chance, but other people on the internet that have probably given this more of a chance. This is what they had to say. IGN gave it a 6.7 out of 10, uh, Metacritic 59, GameSpot 4.9 out of uh, out of 5 on that one, right? GameSpot? Uh yeah, no, out of 10. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I thought they graded on 5s. No, no. Game Informer 5.25 out of 10. So it's uh 2 star on all game. Well, for it's uh, reason, 2 it's stars out of 5 a, though. Yeah, it's missing a bunch of scores for the Xbox version. It seems like everybody mostly only did the PS2 well, when you have a chance, look up the cost on the Xbox version, because oddly enough, I also have that game loose for some strange reason and no no cover or manual. I don't, I don't know how I manage two Futurama games on two different consoles with just disc only. Okay, so uh, yeah, we'll jump over to the price now. So 
On uh, PS2, we've got 5321 loose, 7347 complete in box. Uh, on Xbox, it's actually more. 5450 loose, 8239 complete in box. And I don't know why this is always the case, John. Maybe you can explain it to me and the audience, but the Futurama PAL PS2 version, $5.01. 621 complete in box. That's because our foreign friends are lucky as hell and have cheaper price points for some strange reason. There are PAL games that are super pricey, uh, but yeah, I mean, I've noticed that too over the years. Like sometimes I even wonder, is it worth just getting PAL copies of things? Or at least just the PAL manual and make your complete in box that much faster. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. So I may look into that from now on. But um, yeah, uh, as far as the game's concerned, man, I would probably grade it about the same as those um, those uh, editorials, primarily because the game itself, graphics are good. I think the controls are fine. It actually controlled very well when you're doing your jumps and your att- well, your attacks mediocre. But the audio components of it were great. The voice acting was great. There was a lot of positives in it. It's just hard, and it's not necessarily that John sucks at games because I play a. a decent amount of difficult games and if i honestly wanted to sit back and play futurama all the way through i could take the time to play futurama all the way through but it's a different scenario when you're using a laser gun and use 40 bullets and there's no pickups throughout the game and then you have things that are insta killing you at least as far as we got yeah as far as we got so if we probably ran through a little longer we might have found some bullets to kind of assist us through the process but overall, that type of gameplay and the lack of pickups and the lack of assistance from the game and a unwillingness to really help the player in any capacity, uh, that puts it down to that five level for me as well out of 10. Well, and I mean, I hate to be harsh on a game that we really didn't get that far into, but the fact that we just finished the tutorial and then immediately lost all our lives... I mean, I I hesitate to think that that's because we're just that bad, or maybe we are. Let us know in the comments below. But what I really think here is that it looked great, it sounded great, and I really think that I would rather just watch Futurama than play a game that people have beaten and given a five or you know a six i think that there's better uses of my time like i had so much fun earlier this year playing stick of truth because i was disappointed with this season of south park so i think i'd rather play a great game adaptation of a series when the series lets me down and i think i'd rather watch a great series than play a mediocre game yeah fully agree if you dude so i'm gonna guess you're at about the same score about a four or five right now Yeah, I mean, I really wouldn't want to give it a score based off of what we've played, but I will tell you this, I think it's inflated, man. I can't imagine that this game has actually increased in value based off of the gameplay. I don't think that the game itself has actually gotten better since it was printed and boxed and sent out. Yeah, I think this game probably benefits from uh, two things. Obviously, the name Futurama. That, that's a key thing. It's got the name on it, and it's a show that's no longer around, and it's, it's a cult classic in a sense where 
you know, I, I love Futurama. There's a lot of people who have never heard of the show or watched it. Um, but it's, it's got that. And then it's also got probably limited production, I would assume, as well. There's probably not a lot of copies of it compared to other titles out there. I mean, that's that's got to be the case. I mean, the one thing is I can say that from what we saw and what we did that, you know, the tie-in properties of what is usually like a shameless cash grab for video games i think it's totally well done you know the production's there and all the the voice actors are there can't attest to the story but i mean if the story cutscenes were re-released as an uh lost episode bundled with beast with a billion backs which was a good movie like i I can't say that it's probably that bad. I mean, it was like a classic setup to a Futurama episode, if not a little exaggerated because of the stuff. But I mean, even we were watching the newscast part in the intro and we were like both laughing. Like it was like a great Futurama. Yeah, I guess what it comes down to is I'm also in the sense of it being inflated. Um, So with that being said, Definitely not worth the $50 price point. Save your money and get Beast of a Billion Backs on DVD and watch a Lost episode. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the best parts. Yeah, in all honesty, that's probably is what it is. I mean, the gameplay is really, when you think about it, just filler at that point. You know, you took an episode, you segmented it into, um, you know, a video game, uh, cut it in pieces of an episode, you know, cut the episode in pieces and then filled it in with gameplay, which is... You know, it's it's okay gameplay, but it's just difficult. It wasn't a very well thought out game. Are you looking something up right now to uh Yeah, so you could go on Amazon and get Beast with a Billion Backs for nine ninety seven. So save yourself forty bucks yeah. and get Beast with a Billion Backs and go. watch not only an awesome Futurama movie, but a lost episode. I think that's worth it. And pick up Stick of Truth. And pick up Stick of Truth. For like 10 bucks. Or or Fractured Butthole. I'm sure that that's probably also better. Ryan, coincidentally, also has a Fractured Butthole. Not yet. I'm I'm waiting for it to go on sale digital. You're going to digitally sell your Fractured Butthole? No, I'm going to digitally buy Fractured Butthole. Oh, okay. Because I was talking about... All right. Um, <laughs> well, so that's our inflation deflation segment. Uh, next week, unlike the previous week... We actually chatted about a game that we want to play this go around. Uh, we've been dying to play this since like before Halloween just to randomly play it. So we're going to play Alien 3 on the Sega Genesis. I don't know if you pulled it up, but I want to say it's like 20 bucks complete. I think mine's missing a manual. So obviously not super crazy. Might be like a $10 game uh, loose if I'm correct. Ryan has currently got the iPad of Truth out to pull up the uh, price point for this. Alien 3 for Genesis 950 loose. So it was about right on par, 10 bucks roughly. So we're going to play that next week. It's a pretty fun game. I used to play it as a kid all the time, and I enjoyed it. So hopefully you will as well, and we'll see if we can get pretty far in it. Yeah, I, I'm sure it'll probably be pretty good. All right. I think we kept this to under an hour. Yes, we did, which is great for anybody who has an hour-long commute. Hint, hint, some of our friends that work up north. There we go. Um, so that being said, I'm John. And I'm Ryan. And we are the The Game Game Deflators. Deflators. We got it two weeks in a row, man. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Have a good one.